You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast. Beginning in the early 1920s, Edna Kirby spent more than a decade in Hollywood appearing in a long list of silent movies for Paramount Studios. She worked with many of the greats of the day, including Harold Lloyd, Betty Compson, B.B. Daniels, Wallace Beery, Maurice Chevalier, Claudette Colbert, Joan Bennett, and Spencer Tracy. And while Edna Kirby would never become what we consider a movie star, you know, the fame, the glory, and the fortune that comes along with it, Edna Kirby did draw large crowds in nearly every town that she visited. Reporters were eager to interview her. Government officials went out of their way to be photographed with her, and she was treated like royalty wherever she went. And that's because Edna Kirby did something that no other film star of her day was willing to do. Edna Kirby spent many years living in a glass house where anyone could peek in and get an intimate glimpse of Edna as she went about her daily routine. This is the Useless Information Podcast. I am Steve Silverman, and today I present to you the long-forgotten story of Edna Kirby, the Glasshouse Girl. Useless Information The story of Edna Kirby begins with a classified advertisement which instructed those who were interested to call, quote, Walnut 5260 after seven evenings, completely furnished three-room suite in the unique Omaha's newest apartments. Suite consists of living room, dining room, and kitchen with small hall and bath. Rent unusually low on short-term lease. For information, apply to J.J. Hasley, Burgess Nash Company. Well, sign me up. What a deal. A modern apartment in the big city with low rent. You can't do any better than that, can you? Well, just as this advertisement was running, Hollywood actress Edna Sampson, and Sampson was Edna Kirby's married name, She had recently completed the filming of A Sailor-Made Man with Harold Lloyd, and she just happened to be back in her hometown looking for an apartment. And then she saw that ad. It was perfect. But there was a catch, and it was a big one. You see, the rent on this modern apartment was so incredibly low due to its undesirable location. And it's not that the apartment was situated in a bad part of town or a crime-ridden neighborhood. It was nothing like that. In fact, it was the complete opposite. The apartment was in an area where the rents were incredibly high and the money just seemed to flow. The advertisement stated that the apartment was located in the unique, and there's no doubt that this apartment was unique. You see, it was located in the store windows of one of Omaha's upscale retailers, the Burgess Nash Department Store. 
A story in the April 16, 1922 publication of the Omaha Daily Bee told of how Edna initially balked at the idea of living in the store's windows, but the appeal of the low rent and its convenient location convinced her to change her mind. She was to move in the very next day. Beginning at 9 o'clock each morning, the curtains surrounding Edna's bedroom would be drawn back, she would rise from her bed, and then she'd go about her daily routine. She would prepare meals in the apartment's kitchen, do her housework, sew, read, play piano, entertain guests, and then she hopped back into bed at 9 p.m. for her beauty sleep. The next day, Edna would once again go about her daily routine as those standing on the opposite side of the glass gazed in from the street to observe her every move. Now, in the days before television, particularly, you know, watching celebrities in their homes on reality TV, this must have been exciting entertainment. Burgess Nash ran newspaper ads daily, inviting people to come down and watch Edna in their store windows. One ad read, quote, Have you seen our four-room furnished apartment in the 17th Street window where Edna Sampson is living every hour of the day for the entire week? The experiment will prove that filling one's every need from a department store is not only the possible, but the plausible thing to do. Another similar ad read, Edna Sampson, who has been living in our 17th Street window apartment for the past week, has proven conclusively that it is not only possible, but entirely plausible to obtain every need from a department store. She invites you to see her modern apartment and learn with her that the Burgess Nash Company are able to provide your household needs. Yes, this all was one big publicity stunt, and it was one that was designed to promote both the retailer and Edna's movie career. A story that appeared in the Omaha Mediator on April 28th of 1922 explained how this all came about. You see, Burgess Nash conceived of the idea of setting up a modern home in the store's windows, you know, to show customers the variety of things that their store could provide. Yet that idea seemed kind of static, you know, nothing was moving, so a staff member suggested that the home needed a woman to bring it to life. And their initial thought was to get a big-name Hollywood actress, you know, someone like Mary Pickford. But someone of that caliber, of course, would cost the company a lot of money. A little side note here is that Burgess Nash went bankrupt and sold off all of its assets less than three years later. So it's really doubtful they could have afforded a big-name star even if they wanted to. So ultimately, they settled on Edna Kirby Sampson, who truly did appear in Hollywood movies and had previously lived in Omaha. Now, Edna was far from famous, but that didn't stop the department store from promoting her as a bigger star than she really was. The author of that same Omaha Mediator article had a bit of fun with this at Edna's expense. Quote, After much thought and deep study, hundreds of dollars spent in telegraph tolls, after much discussion and hot argument, the powers that be finally decided and secured one of the greatest actresses that ever put on an act— no other than world-famed Edna Sampson. What? You've never heard of Edna? She of the dark, dreamy eyes, the wavy chestnut hair, the lithe, graceful figure. She who played ten nights or more in a barroom right here in Omaha many a time. She who used to play the leading role in some of the comedies and many of the tragedies under the direction of that well-known scenario director Dutch Kaler at his old place on North 16th. She of the nimble fingers who used to hammer the ivories on the baby grand down at Omaha's Hollywood located at 15th and California. 
You still don't savvy? No. Then look her up in Omaha's Underworld Blue Book, where it is written that she is one of our very best little actresses. Yes, gentle reader, it is our own Edna who poses as a great immoral screen star before the multitudes of respectable women, schoolgirls, and little children for a week in the windows of the Burgess Nash store. And you gotta give her credit, old top. She holds her youth and pristine beauty and is still able to pick up soft money. All the old sports about town gave her the once-over, smiled, winked, and said, Well, I'll be damned. In reality, there's little documentation of Edna's life. She was born on February 6, 1892 in Grand Junction, Iowa to Dr. Jacob Kirby and his second wife, Lena. Now, the couple would have three children with Edna being the oldest. There was a 35-year age gap between Edna's parents, and that resulted in mom Lena becoming a widow at the young age of 41. On November 29th of 1913, 21-year-old Edna would marry Abraham, or Abe, or Samson, in Council Bluffs, Iowa, after which the couple would relocate to Omaha. The two were arrested in 1913 for being on the receiving end of stolen loot, although it was established that they had not participated in any of the robberies. Eight months later, Edna was charged with, quote, cutting to wound both Abe and another woman after she caught them out, quote, joyriding, and you can fill in the blanks there. Shortly after Abe returned from fighting in World War I, Edna filed for divorce on August 17th of 1919, claiming non-support and that, quote, he struck her and knocked her down until her body was black and blue, that he threatened to kill her, and on one occasion brandished a loaded revolver before her. Yet somehow, less than two years later, Edna Kirby Sampson would be in Hollywood making movies, Now, how she got there, that I couldn't figure out, but she somehow got her act together and was able to secure a decade-long contract with Paramount Studios. Now, Edna never got any star billing in any film, and in fact, if you check the internet movie databases, no mention of her. And of course, that implies she's a bit player. But I was able to piece together from various articles that she appeared in at least 21 different movies. The earliest of her film appearances that I could find reference to was A Sailor-Made Man with Harold Lloyd that was made in 1921, and the last one was She Wanted to Be a Millionaire, which starred Joan Bennett and Spencer Tracy, which was made in 1932. Yet her lack of success in films did not stop Edna from capitalizing on her acting career. On September 2nd of 1922, which is nearly five months after she completed a stint in the Burgess Nash store windows, the following ad appeared in the Sacramento Bee, quote, For rent, completely furnished three-bedroom suite in Sacramento's newest apartments. Suite consists of living room, dining room, hall, and kitchen. Rent unusually low on short-term lease. For information, apply between 9 and 10. Advertising department, Hale Brothers Incorporated. Any guesses to who the successful applicant was? Well, let me not keep you in suspense. An article in that same day Sacramento Star answers the question for you. Quote, Edna Sampson, movie star who plays with Harold Lloyd, heard about a pretty furnished apartment for rent here. She wanted it, and when she got it, she found that it was in the display window of Hale's store. But she decided to be a sport. She'll live there all next week. She'll have a bedroom, living room, hall, and kitchen completely furnished. She'll do her own housework and invites folks to call on her. 
Well, I mean, it's like deja vu, isn't it? I mean, just what are the chances that Edna Sampson would stumble across two similar advertisements in two different cities and be the only applicant for the apartments? I mean, obviously, there's zero chance. The only stumbling that Edna Sampson had done in her apartment search was that she stumbled into a new career to help supplement her struggling attempt at Hollywood stardom. It wasn't long before the press would crown Edna the Glasshouse Girl, and she would travel from city to city, you know, mostly in the western and southern parts of the United States, pulling nearly the same promotional stunt over and over again. Now, I should point out there was a gradual evolution of her act, and that can be best followed through the various promotional stories and advertisements that ran over, now get this, ran over the next 25 years. An article that appeared in the October 5th, 1922 edition of the Seattle Star begins with that famous quote, you know, people that live in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. To which Edna replied, quote, but it is more important that they should dress and undress behind screens. And to answer one of those, you know, how do they go to the bathroom in space type questions that some readers may have had, the article explains that a, quote, thoroughly impenetrable barrier will be placed around her while she's perfecting the more intimate details of her toilet. The story also points out that Edna Sampson was, quote, the only member of her profession in the world. The reason is that the profession, the profession of living in glass houses, is her own invention and has only been in existence since last April. And that's the end of the quote. Not long after this, well, back in Hollywood in 1923, Edna met Ciro Raphael Manillo, an Italian immigrant who'd been working as a manager for actor Rudolph Valentino. The two would wed on October 4th of 1924, and then they went and honeymooned down in Mexico. Now, there's little mention in the press of what Edna was up to for the next 16 months. She did appear in The Enemy's Sex, which starred Betty Compson, and she was also in five fight reels that starred heavyweight champion Jack Dempsey, but she made no known screen appearances in 1925. Then, 1926, that would professionally prove to be her most successful year ever. Not only did she appear in at least nine different films, but she also began to find success with her glasshouse career. The following advertisement appeared in the April 15, 1926 publication of the Oakland Tribune, and it's page four if you want to go check it out. Anyway, quote, and it's not, there's not much to this ad, quote, see Edna Kirby in her glass house, apartment unique, question mark. Now, this was printed in big, bold letters, but the most prominent part of the entire ad was the question mark. Of course, we know today exactly what she was up to, but the unsuspecting citizens of Oakland were about to get a big surprise. Now, not only had she dropped the last name of Sampson from her previous marriage, like they really cared about that, but Edna Kirby was about to go big. And when I say big, I mean really big. She was about to exploit all that she possibly could from her Glasshouse Act. An April 20th, 1926 article, again in the Oakland Tribune, begins, quote, Miss Edna Kirby, Paramount Motion Picture Actress and former member of Harold Lloyd's company, arrived at 8.52 a.m. on the Padre at First and Broadway. She was met by members of the press and advertising clubs and Commissioner Colburn and driven in a Cadillac car to her window apartment at Capwell's 14th and Clay Street. Now, the headline above this article declared that she was a, quote, Paramount film star, 
and the article was accompanied by the obligatory large photograph of Edna, and she was dressed in the classic flapper style of the day, and she is seen disembarking from the train and being handed a large bouquet of roses. Now, this all may have been an act, but Edna was being treated like she was a superstar, and believe it or not, it really did work. The story continues, quote, Miss Kirby's little maid, Pauline Har of the H.C. Capo Company, assisted her with unpacking her weary wardrobe trunk and other luggage, and Miss Kirby selected new clothes from her extensive wardrobe furnished by the H.C. Capo Company. John Harry Lewis of the American Theater Orchestra was her first guest, and he brought his violin and during his visit played for her. Miss Kirby accompanying him on her Sherman Clay Baby Grand Piano, Miss Kirby is an accomplished pianist. Well, let the fun begin. Now, each day there would be a large advertisement in the Oakland Tribune detailing her daily schedule in the, quote, apartment unique. And here is the program for her first day in the fishbowl. I'm going to try and read this word for word, but I apologize in advance that I may throw in a sarcastic comment here or there. Anyway, 10 a.m. Miss Kirby arises. 10.30 a.m. breakfast. 11 a.m. picture taken with Pathex moving picture camera. 12.30 p.m. lunch. 1.15 p.m. demonstration of Eureka vacuum cleaner. Sorry, I missed that one. 1.45 p.m. Miss Kirby learns to sew on the free Westinghouse electric machine. Now, I didn't check that out, what it means by free, but in my world, nothing is free. 2 p.m. Miss Kirby learns to make a hooked rug. At 2.35 p.m., Miss Kirby goes to the American Theater. And I should point out, she would go there and they would show the film that was shot earlier with the motion picture camera. And of course, Edna would discuss what Hollywood was like while she was there. The other thing is that the feature film was The Untamed Lady, which starred Gloria Swanson, whom my wife and I talked about in the last podcast when we reviewed Sunset Boulevard. At 3.30 p.m., she returns and entertains a tea. At 4.15 p.m., she selects a new hat. Now, why she needs a half hour to do this, I don't know. Clearly just to sell hats. At 4.45 p.m., she chooses draperies for the apartment, as if she's going to live there forever. At 5.15 p.m., golf lesson. Now, don't worry about her hitting the ball through the glass. The lesson was taught by pro golfer Dan Brown in the store's roof garden sports shop. At 5.45 p.m., she dresses for dinner. 6.15 p.m., dinner. 8.25 p.m., dresses for the theater. 8.45 p.m., she goes to the American Theater again. At 9.15 p.m., she returns to, quote, apartment unique. And finally, 9.30 p.m., Miss Kirby retires. Now, there is a little bit I want to quote from the bottom. Quote, Miss Kirby's lunch and tea and dinner guests will be well-known East Bay men and women. Don't forget that all conversations inside the windows may be heard outside by means of loudspeaker arrangements. So did Edna really sleep in the bedroom that was set up in the store window? And the answer to that question is unknown, and we can only venture a guess as to what happened after those curtains were closed each night. And while she may have slept there, I think it's more probable that alternative accommodations were provided. Because think about it, store windows don't have running water, there's no operating toilet, and certainly no hot shower. So probably when they pulled that curtain closed, she was out of there. Maybe she stayed at someone's home, or maybe at a nearby hotel. It's hard to describe the volume of advertisements that were run in the newspapers both before and during her stay in the Capwell store windows. Just imagine page after page of ads for nearly every product or brand that Edna was promoting. 
And I should point out that most of these were co-op ads. You know, the manufacturer would pay for their portion of the ad. Uh, And there was also a large ad for the store's sports shop, and that included a photograph, a very large photograph of Edna. And she was dressed in heels, hat, and a flapper dress. You know, not exactly the ideal outfit for a round of golf. And she's seen leaning over a putter as she aims to sink the ball. And then, of course, there's the ads run by the American Theater announcing her appearances. And, of course, all this publicity did exactly what it was intended to do. It created quite a sensation. You know, men, women, and children just crowded around the store's windows, and they struggled to get a peek at the movie star. And hopefully that translated into sales. Edna explained, quote, There's no chance to hide away any family skeletons when one lives in a glass house. There's one interesting thing about living in such an apartment. It is a sort of two-handed game. In addition to being gazed at by the people on the other side of the glass walls of my home, I am able to watch them and see just what they think of the new gowns I put on before my dressing table. Now keep in mind this is in 1926. Radio was still in its infancy and news traveled slowly, and that worked to Edna's advantage. She was able to travel from one city to the next, and it was almost certain that few had ever heard of the apartment unique. And Edna took full advantage of this. For example, as she was winding down her stint in Oakland, she still had a few days to go, a mysterious advertisement appeared in the Sacramento Bee. It read, question mark, Miss Edna Kirby in the apartment unique, the glass house at 12th and K. And that was all the ad said. And of course, a few days later, Edna would arrive in Sacramento and spend seven days living in the display windows of Weinstock, Lubin & Company. Their advertising campaign and Edna's daily routine were nearly identical to that of Oakland. The only variation seemed to be in the offering since each store had a different selection of goods and wished to promote different items. For example, in Sacramento, a Hoover was substituted for the Eureka vacuum, Edna selected fishing tackle over a golf lesson, and she would paint a lampshade instead of making a hooked rug. There was one added bonus in Sacramento, and that was the feature film being played at the Senator Theater was That's My Baby, which she supposedly was featured in. And Edna would repeat the whole routine in early May in Fresno, and then spend the end of the month doing the same in Los Angeles, which just happened to be where she and her husband had set up their permanent home. What few knew is that he was quietly working behind the scenes to advance her career. He acted as her manager and sold the Glasshouse concept to merchants, closed the deals, and handled the promotion. So could Edna balance her life in Hollywood while she traveled around the country living in these so-called glass houses? Would Ciro be able to make Edna's Glasshouse act bigger than it ever was? Or would something bring Edna's career to a sudden halt? Danger, danger, Will Robinson. There's a Great Depression coming. Well, I'm going to keep you in suspense as we take a short break to hear from our sponsors. But when we return, I'll tell you what happened next. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more— We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The Nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. 
You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. At the time, I only felt a punch. I think everything went wrong. His drug of choice was heroin. Binging and purging over and over and over. Evaluate you, and if you're okay to go, they're going to let you go. This is Justin, and I do the Peripheral Podcast. I have a true crime background, but when telling the stories of true crime, sometimes you have to gloss over topics like mental illness, drug addiction, sexual assault. And I feel like we do that in life, too. So this podcast is my attempt to bring all of these topics that are on the peripheral into the mainstream. So please join me wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back. Just prior to the commercial interlude, we learned that 1926 was a banner year for Edna's career, both in Hollywood and in her glass house promotions. She had just completed a tour of the California storefronts and her husband, Sarah, was working behind the scenes to advance her career. Anyway, after taking the summer off, the two headed out on a 29-month cross-country tour, which ended in December of 1928. Now, this is far from a complete listing, but Edna Kirby's Glasshouse traveled to, and this is just in alphabetical order, Asheville, Atlanta, Baltimore, Birmingham, Chattanooga, Des Moines, Fort Worth, Jackson, Kansas City, Madison, Minneapolis, Nashville, Sioux City, Tucson, and Waco. And as I said, there are more. The stories and advertisements that were run in the newspapers to accompany Edna's visit were quite repetitious, but here are a few of the highlights that I was able to extract. While she was appearing in Asheville, North Carolina, it was reported on December 21st, 1927, quote, Crowds, 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 eyes, eyes, eyes followed Miss Edna Kirby from early morning until late at night. I have to tell you, this is basically what happened in every single city that she visited. The story continues, quote, At Goods Drugstore, where Miss Kirby held a social gathering at 3 until 4 o'clock, Hollywood punch was served. Balloons distributed to the ladies. A capacity gathering crowded the store to obtain a glimpse of the movie actress who lives in a glass house. Miss Kirby graciously invited them all to come and pay her a visit at her apartment unique. It is said that the largest crowd in the history of the drugstore gathered yesterday afternoon to meet Miss Kirby. The following week, she was in Waco, Texas, and a reporter questioned Edna about actors losing their morals due to the roles that they portrayed on the screen. Edna replied, quote, If an actor gets morally confused over a love scene photographed five or six times in the glare of every kind of bright light with a bunch of people around and a director yelling, don't do it that way, he didn't have any morals to begin with. She added that there's no more immorality in Hollywood than there is with the remainder of the populace. Quote, If the butcher or a dry goods salesman in Waco were to murder his wife or have an affair, it might get on the front page of the newspaper and then be forgotten. But if Fatty Arbuckle gets in trouble or Charlie Chaplin, everybody in the country has met them on the screen, and whenever the name of either is mentioned, all the notoriety ever given him is dragged out and inspected over and over. As for gossip, Edna stated, quote, A woman in Dallas rushed up to me the other day and said, Oh, tell me the latest scandal in Hollywood. 
I replied that I didn't know it. What was the latest one in Dallas? To capitalize on the somewhat voyeuristic nature of her appearances, the following article appeared in the Waco News Tribune on January 27, 1927. I'm not going to read the whole thing, just the first paragraph, but you'll get the idea. The Sanger Store announces for this morning at 10.30 o'clock a special style show of the lingerie of Parisian and American designs and fashions. This lingerie-style show will feature the latest in undefinery, and Miss Edna Kirby, Paramount actress from Hollywood, will model the new styles and fashions. The lingerie show will be given on the second floor and for women only. Sorry, guys, but it got you to read the article. All of the undefinery boudoir garments, corsets, and negligees to be worn by Miss Kirby and other young women are from the Sanger displays. Somewhere along her lengthy national tour, a large banner was created, and it read, and the top line said, Miss Edna Kirby in big letters, and then beneath it, in kind of a cursive, was the Paramount Girl. That banner would be used for years and years after that. Basically, as she made her grand entrance into every city, and sometimes she'd come by train, sometimes by airplane, and sometimes by automobile, that banner would then be hung from the side of every single car that they used to transport her around the city. And of course, that resulted in a multitude of pictures appearing in newspapers with that banner being prominently displayed. It was great publicity. Now, Edna was treated as a big celebrity everywhere that she went, even if her success in Hollywood would sometimes be greatly exaggerated. For example, in Atlanta, she was described as, quote, prominent in motion pictures. In Chicago, she was, quote, Harold Lloyd's leading lady, you know, even though she only had a minor part in one of his movies. And then, on Saturday, May 12th of 1928, Edna two-timed her husband and married another man while making an appearance at the Emporium Store in Jackson, Mississippi. Well, that's not exactly true. Uh, It was a mock wedding design, of course, to promote wedding dresses and everything else that the store sold for that special day. After hundreds of people attended a reception on the second floor of the store, Edna changed into her, quote, going-away gown, boarded the Panama Limited train, and left on her so-called honeymoon. Of course, she ditched her new husband and she was headed off to another city to marry another man. What Edna couldn't see was that for all her success as the Paramount girl in her apartment unique was that there was a violent storm approaching. First, if you think about it, her act only worked well when she went to a city for the first time. You know, there was an element of surprise, novelty, a natural curiosity in what she did. But once she made an appearance in a town and everyone knew what she was up to, why would any store want to rehire her? In fact, I couldn't find a single retail store that did. Yet, of course, we all know that the United States is gigantic and there were plenty more cities for her to go to. But there was an even bigger problem, and I hinted at this during the break, and that was the Great Depression. As everybody knows, many of the department stores didn't make it through the Great Depression. They went out of business. And those that did survive, well, they were probably far less willing to spend their limited advertising budget on a costly yet frivolous glasshouse promotion. In addition, her acting career was nearing its end, having made her last movie appearance in 1932. A story that ran in the April 9, 1934 edition of the Santa Ana Register refers to her as, quote, a former Paramount Picture Actress. Edna Kirby's glasshouse career would survive the Great Depression, but it would never be done on the same scale again. While she did occasionally secure department and furniture store window jobs, they were far and few between. 
Plus, newspaper stories discussing her appearance became less frequent, and they were much, much shorter in length, sometimes just a sentence or two. The reality is that Edna was no longer a celebrity. The bulk of her appearances were now either at home shows or county fairs, and a typical appearance was funded by gas and power companies. She still did her shtick behind the glass wall. It was erected at each venue, but it lacked the novelty of living in a store window. Edna demonstrated the latest in gas appliances, Philco radios, furniture, and the like. And of course, while she was doing this, Edna would always tell the crowds what it was like to be an actress in Hollywood. Now, I should mention that nearly all the pictures I could find, and, and these all came from microfilm, you know, basically from the newspaper archives, they're really blurry, and I honestly don't know exactly what she looked like. But uh, I did find one clear picture of her exhibit at one of these trade shows, and I'll put that on my website at uselessinformation.org, and you can take a look at it. Edna's in the picture, but she's really, really tiny, so you're not going to, other than the fact she has dark hair and she's slim, there's not much else you can tell. Now, while doing my research, I did have one big surprise, and that is I uncovered that Edna and Cyril were jointly issued U.S. patent number 1895229 on January 24th of 1933. It was titled Vehicular Dwelling, and her invention, and I know you're going to be shocked by this, it was a long glass house, you know, kind of like a department store window, but on wheels. I guess you could take it anywhere. Sadly, Edna Kirby would not live a long life. She's diagnosed with a bad mitral valve in her heart, and she suffered for two years before passing away on March 23rd of 1946. Her obituary, which appeared in the Los Angeles Times on March 25th, reads, Mrs. Edna Manillo, funeral services for Mrs. Edna Kirby Manillo, 54, originator of the glass house which she displayed throughout the nation for the past 25 years will be conducted at 11 a.m. Wednesday at the Church of the Recessional Forest Lawn Memorial Park. The glass house displayed modern housekeeping furniture and equipment. Mrs. Manillo died at her home, 1629 Mitchell Torina Street, Saturday. She leaves her husband, C.R. Manillo, and two brothers, J.D. and J. Ben Kirby. Interestingly, she lived not too far from Sunset Boulevard. But what I find most interesting about this obituary is what it leaves out. It makes no mention of Edna ever having been an actress, the Paramount Girl. Useless, useful, I'll leave that for you to decide. Well, thanks for your patience while I got this story together. Now, I had originally planned on releasing this before the first of the year, but as I mentioned in the last podcast, my dental surgeries basically slowed everything down. And that's when I went to my wife and said, hey, why don't we do that Sunset Boulevard uh, movie review we talked about months ago? Because that didn't require any research or not a lot of work on my part. And that gave me some time to finish this up. Anyway, uh, I have to tell you, this story was quite challenging to write. I can't think of one in recent memory uh, that was as challenging to put together. You see, after I was done with my research, I was faced with a pile of mostly repetitive stories. And it's not that they were all written by the same person, but the articles just had the same facts over and over and over again. It's like, you know, holy cow, I read this already, I read this already, I read this already. My goal, of course, was to synthesize it all down into a cohesive story that would be of interest to listeners like you, and I hope I accomplished that. Now, there were a lot of details to sort through, so it's possible I made a mistake or I made a mispronunciation or something. And if I did so, just let me know. Uh, And I also want to mention, if you haven't been to my website lately, you really should check it out. I've been adding new content almost every weekday. Uh, I do skip it on the weekends. Um, 
And while some of it does come from the podcast, there are other things like black and white photographs I've colorized. There's some interesting old videos. Some are off YouTube, some archive.org, and so on. There are vintage ads that I come across when I do my research. And I also have some old comics that I have come across also. Plus, I should mention I have no advertising and there are no annoying pop-ups on the website. You can just go and do whatever you want. Just look around, uh, you know, see what's there. Basically, it's a money-losing uh, proposition for me. But anyway, uh, check it out. It's uselessinformation.org. There may be something of interest there for you. If you'd like to contact me about the story, the podcast, the website, or whatever, please do so through my email at steve at uselessinformation.org. That's steve at uselessinformation.org. You can use Facebook Messenger, or you can use the contact form on my website. Now, every once in a while, I stumble across someone using some other method to get in touch with me. But a lot of times, they don't let me know there's a message there, nor is there a way for me to reply. For example, someone tried to contact me through the comments on iTunes. But really, that's for other people to see, to see what your opinion is of the uh, podcast. I never get an email or a message saying that uh, there's something there that's new. Anyway, uh, just a reminder, my latest book, The Flipside History, is currently available, as are my two previous books. That's Einstein's Refrigerator and Lindbergh's Artificial Heart. And all three books are collections of long-forgotten true stories, just like the ones you always hear on this podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the Useless Information Podcast through your favorite podcast platform, and you'll have immediate access to new episodes when they're released. Of course, my Twitter feed is at Useless Infocast. That's at Useless Infocast. And be sure to like the show on Facebook if you've never done so. You can just do a quick search for the Useless Information Podcast and it'll pop up. Anyway, I'll be back in a couple of weeks with the next podcast. Thanks as always for listening and take care, everyone. Bye.